0: And we are recording. All right. Hey, everybody. Oh, (laughs) sorry, guys.
1: (laughs) It's broadcast television. You got to count in.
0: Russell, what happened to two and one? Okay. I have to show you those movies
2: hey everybody welcome back to x's first show your weekly response to all things media i am of course nico and you can check me out at nico
1: action that's n-i-c-o-a-c-t-i-o-n and i'm tk you can
0: find me at x Nate, x gray x and that leaves me kevo and you can find me at kevo really that's k-e-v-o-r-e-a-l-l-y and we have quite the furious episode in store for you today You can, of course, check out all of our Fast
2: Furious adventures at X's for Show on all of your social media platforms. Every single one of them! Um, But, okay, I'm really excited because there's, like, a lot of things that get me excited in this world. Like, you know, I love too much. I love a little too hard. um, But I really genuinely, unironically, love these guys, even if I love what we're about to discuss at times a little ironically. Right? So, uh... You know, it's a, it's a really fun episode for me. Uh The guy we're about to bring on is kind of like, um I'm not even sure what to, he's like sort of like the guy that taught me everything I know, but also didn't try to like strangle me with that information. So like a good teacher. Um And then he's of your course, Obi-Wan. and I would have learned everything uh from Joe too, as well, but Joey took care of it all in the first place. So, you know, uh, he's but your both- Jar Jar Binks. I
0: love Jar Jar. I'm only kidding.
2: Okay, yeah, no. And he hosts Legends of the Hidden Temple. Let's do it. Okay. Yeah,
0: the Jedi Hidden Temple.
2: Okay, let's bring in the J's. the The two J's. It's the, one two J's the, the two J J J J J's. The J
0: Jedi J. The J Jedi J. Get J that
2: one J, then you get, that, you get other that other J. J. We've got the J's,
0: and hello, the J's. Hello, the K's.
3: Hello, hello.
2: I am. Yeah. Oh, no, bunkerballs balls not. excited uh, to bring you guys onto the show, but that means everybody needs to know where they can find your coolness. So Joe Two, Joey Lou, where can everybody find the two of you?
4: You can find us at too fast Too forever, just about everywhere that it matters. Also cage for all of our shows where this show had its humble origins before you blew up into a multimedia sensation, taking YouTube by storm CageClub.me for everything you need to know
2: and also but like you personally.
3: Oh, I'm at Soul popped everywhere too. Yeah, I was just there. Joey D E underscore at Twitter I and Instagram you, and things like that.
2: I thought you're like oh, I always just done all of his social media pages. No,
0: it's just there. It's true. I was just right there. <laughs> that happened on a show I was just on. They like four people went on a live stream at the same time on a Lark. Oh, social awesome.
2: media. Haha. <laughs> uh-huh. So okay, we have to talk some social media stuff. Okay. Everybody knows, of course, that Kevo, TK, and I absorb as much media as we can week after week. Uh, And, you know, we bring it to you every Saturday and Sunday, ball, as it were, with the amount of drag race we are covering, good God. Uh, But we're taking a break from all things too gay to even imagine. And we're going to go from one kind of drag race to uh, an equally gay kind of drag (laughs) race. Uh, Just slightly unrelated. Uh, and we're here to talk about the Fast and Furious franchise, as it were. Now, I've now seen every minute of this fucking franchise. God help me. Uh, Kevo, you have been seatbelted in like a crash test dummy, like you're some sort of Canadian modern rock band in the 90s. We've um, seen
0: more than some others, thanks to uh, having seen Spy Racers. So, yeah,
2: I'm pretty yeah. proud of that. This is uh, this is the deluxe model and uh, before we get to the J's and all of their incredible, intricate knowledge on all the Fs, Teak, come on. Did you think you were going to get through the intro without me being like, come on, talk about it? What are your feelings about
1: this Oh, franchise? no, I knew. I knew we were going there.
2: Uh, are you a big fan? I, uh... Uh,
1: I saw the first one. It is a very uh, high school movie for me, like that kind of experience There's going so through Fast going and the in. Furious in high school. Yeah. Uh, for some reason, I saw Tokyo Drift and I just remembered that I was uh, very drunk. Uh, it's a good way to I watch just it. kept screaming Tokyo Drift. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then Same. I. And then I didn't watch another one of the, these films until yesterday when I watched Fast X. So that is my experience.
4: Sounds See? totally normal and natural and an organic way to watch the franchise.
2: Yeah. So, okay, now I can't wait to get to your reactions, Teek. That's going to be a it's going to be a breathtaking experience. But Joey, Joe. The two of you, fly guys, talk to me. What is it that drives you toward this franchise? What makes you step on the gas and go full NOS toward family and don't look back till there's Cuban food all over the place? What is your
4: Giselle? (gasps) Well, so oh. we first started, Joe and I started our podcast adventure doing a Zach Efron podcast. Uh, I had been doing a Nicholas Cage podcast on the Cage Club Podcast Network. And when we were into our, entering our second phase, uh, my friend that I was doing the Cage podcast with were like, let's do Keanu. And I was like, Joe, do you want to do any, po- like, do you want to do, because we love the movie We Are Your Friends. We're like, let's talk about Zach Efron. So we watched Zach Efron, all of his movies, and we're like, some of these are wonderful. Some of these are great. We love them really in all of them. Some of the movies are absolutely terrible. We never watch these again. And so when we finished that, we were like, what could we do to never watch bad movies again? And we decided to watch a franchise with only perfect movies, only 10 out of 10, watching those movies on repeat forever, The Fast and the Furious.
2: Oh, wait, but if you were only going to watch perfect movies that were 10 out of 10s, when are you going to start your Police Academy podcast?
4: As soon as we get a mission to Moscow.
2: So yes. now, Joey, yes. I hear you. I hear your side of things. But Joe, Joe, do you have a, a four minutes that are going to get spliced into the beginning of this film that tell a different story about how it all happened?
3: No, I I was always a big fan of these movies. Um, I had followed along. I would watched all of them. Through six, as like they came out, and I was just like really fond of them. And Joey was always somebody that was like, No, I don't I don't like these movies, I don't want to watch these movies. And when he was like, Oh man, I watched like Fast and Fear, like I watched Fast Five, and this was a really great movie, and then wanted to revisit them. I was like, I'm in like this. Sounds great to me. Um, there's just like a lot of really cool things in them that I like that I'm sure that we'll get to when we talk about them, but like yeah, and it's kept me in, so I'm a huge fan now. I, like I was always a huge fan, but I'm a huge fan. I still like talking about them, and it's just a good time and good way to talk to Joey.
2: You know, uh, like most people, I came to this franchise for the theme park attractions, video games, and straight to Netflix animated series. So the finer things in life. Oh yeah, you know the um, the the cavassier.
1: Mm
4: -hmm. of
2: fast and furious projects you know um but all said and done we are here to talk about fast 10 which is the 11th film in the franchise so it's kind of like trying to figure out how to watch drag race untucked for all stars
0: calm down big bear
2: i'm working on it (laughs) so okay for those of you who don't know kevo if you would graphic me please
3: what is this
2: oh yeah no we do it with live graphics it's real this
3: is
4: this is kevo's true form like you we got a taste of so when nico and kevo watched all the movies on our podcast which you can go to CageClub.me to find all those episodes they're still up there they're amazing we heard kevo's research but now we're seeing kevo's research in a way that is even more beautiful than i could have imagined yeah. Some of it's mine, some
0: of it is executing the boss man's uh, research, for sure, as well. Uh, it's a team effort, and uh, yeah, we love to make things neat and pretty. Helps keep people informed. So let's inform the people. Let's blow it up! We have Fast
2: and Furious coming out June 2001 with uh, a clock time of 106 minutes which, you know, you're looking at these first few movies and you're like, oh, wow, they're going to average like 106 minutes for four hours. And oh my God. Um, It is interminable how long some of these movies get, but we'll get to that in a minute. I want to say that my top three things about this franchise are the BT score to the first one, uh, my eternal sexual fascination with all things Dom Toretto, and right. um, I think my third favorite thing about this franchise is my belief that it's actually a supernatural franchise with the fast force and the furious force and the heart of the race. And it all connects back to, I should have put rush rush by Paula Abdul on here anyway. So uh, the fast and furious franchise is filled with a lot of things. And as you can see from this board, uh, it's actually really kind of the same thing a lot in a good way. I mean, like, you know what you're getting when you sign up, But there are some really strong through lines that run through here. And I think, TK, you described it really beautifully as a cult of people with cars kind of fighting
1: crime, kind of? Well, that's how um, Alan Richson describes it. Uh, Yeah. Hank from Titans. uh, When he's yelling at Brie Larson. Reacher. Uh, Yes. Yeah, Reacher. Um, Who I just would burn you all alive for five minutes alone god oh, bless know. that man's
0: trend
2: line you know what <laughs> i mean just staggering There's results
1: uh look at that man look
0: at that boy, boy knows how to cycle cool.
1: that is some
3: uh.
1: uh and he's really good on titans so you know watch titans but anyway he's yelling that at brie larson and but i how? just thought what How? How can anyone watch anything that was ever produced for HBO ever again? Oh, uh, just pirate it. Honestly, guys, just pirate it. Come on. (laughs) Um, that to me was like the most beautiful moment of introspection in this movie. (laughs) Because it was so staggeringly (laughs) self-aware and, uh, correct. And the fact that, you know, he ultimately ends up being a villain, uh... Kind of makes it even better, but I don't know.
2: So all my jokes aside, I actually do love the through line of these films being family, a certainty that if you trust your skills, you can never go wrong within reason. As long as your goal is the betterment and protection of others. And you are always just one bro hug away from reforming a villain. That's yep. really three things that I do love about this franchise, for real, for real. And Kevo, uh, I'd love to get three things you loved about this franchise. Uh, looking at this board of ten films,
0: ooh, three things about the whole franchise because we have the ten films, and I also have this very special board spiced up uh, for the
2: uh, which the spinoffs, the absolute best. In the best thing in the entire franchise, bar none, far and away, is Los Bandolores. Uh, oh. Bandoleros. Best thing in the whole franchise. Uh, Vin Diesel directing himself, looking sexy and tortured. Oof. Did you
3: Did you catch the little Los Bandoleros and FX for you? I was thinking yeah. about you when we were watching it in the theaters, bud.
2: They were like bros forever. Los Bandoleros forever. And I was like,
4: Argh! Kevo, oh, if you're stuck God. with what the three things that you love are, we could just say Spy Racers Rio, Spy Racers Sahara, and Spy Racers oh Mexico. Because we all I love we all that love you us. didn't
0: say Spy Racers South, South Pacific, though. Because <laughs> you know not to say Spy Racers South Pacific. The only good thing about South Pacific was the that weird cartoon song that they did. I think mm. Dom had, uh, Tony yeah. had a. Uh, didn't he like have an acid trip or something that was
4: great with the with the monkeys maybe the the monkeys monkeys. had like some kind of like
2: the season with the monkeys yeah um that's right tk there's an animated series for this show and there's a season with i I want people
4: i'm very aware about the animated series viewing the video to look at that originally released column and look how close those dates are for six different seasons Let's just talk about that and about how oh, good yeah. sports Nico and Cabo both were to come back on our show and talk about all of them
0: seemingly those...
3: monthly, almost monthly, almost monthly. Well,
0: like for the first 10 months,
3: nothing. <laughs> it was eight
0: episodes and then we didn't hear anything again. Yep. And then it was 44 episodes in cycling in, one, in in 14 months. It was yeah. it was. Yeah it was a marathon and we made it uh it's it's a cute show and i think one of not only do i love spy racers but i love how spy racers really does um portray how much the series just sort of loses touch with reality over time the thing i was just thinking to compare it to in my head a little bit uh is community the way <laughs> it, it really did start, like, with one foot grounded in reality in a lot of ways. There's this meme I'm seeing a lot that talks about how the emotional climax of the first movie was finding out Brian's a cop. And and now it's, like, missiles and, and, and giant terror bombs and, like... Flying through space. So different from where it started in uh, such a really fun way and... They're unapologetic for it, and they shouldn't apologize for it. They're having fun with it. They love making these, and, and I guess that's also something that I love about it. The energy that they bring to it, uh, they clearly love making these movies together. It's why they keep making them, and more power to them, especially as they keep making money. They're such awesome people that just want to keep uh, making these positive films about family, and I think that's really cool.
4: So, TK, as someone who had only seen the first and the third one, but, you know, someone self-described or Nico described you as, you know, absorbing as much media as you possibly could. You knew about things like in the franchise, even if you hadn't seen those movies. Seeing two of the most grounded movies in the series and then fast forwarding to Fast 10, which is almost indescribably a different film from those first two. Did were you ready for how over the top it was? Did you think it was going to be even crazier? What was your reaction from basically the whiplash from going from grounded car movie to we are superheroes who are indestructible?
2: Well, and also, were you devastated to find out that the fifth film was not called Fast Five Freddy? <laughs> oh. Five Nights
1: at Fast Five Freddy's, or a Blondie?
2: It's going to be a
3: crossover
2: to Fast Five Freddy. <laughs> From Rapture. So.
1: Um, I was a media studies scholar in another life. So I have been thinking every time I see one of these movies come out they can't keep doing these right. Like they can't possibly top themselves <laughs> because I know the formula. And I understand that like having seen the third one, after seeing the first one, there is a jump there. And I, you know, I noticed that like, okay, they there's a stakes ratcheting up. And then, you know, when you get to fast five, I'm thinking, okay, this is enough. like, they can't go any further than this. They can't build a bigger climax. And then I just stopped thinking about them. And Paul Walker died. And, you know, I just sort of. The cars learned tantra. Still... What? The cars learned tantra. Yeah, you know, they they could meditate. They, you know, got themselves in different positions. Without and, having to exhaust. Um I just really I did not pay attention to the fact that these movies were still coming out. I was aware vaguely in the back of my mind. I was very aware of how bonkers the superhero dom of Hobbs and Shaw was. No, but um, hold on. Okay. Hold on.
2: That movie has a borderline spiritually magic Tongan Maori um war dance that is like yeah. the highlight and, of like, like, the fucking movie and they Nanobot could all enhancements learn a trick. like it's that's, yeah. like, that's a supernatural film.
1: Um, Idris Elba is so good in that movie. Considering He's just beautiful. That's why I'm aware of what goes on there.
2: He is given the worst script and he, he, he makes kerplunk out of marbles and sticks. If you know what I mean?
1: So by the time I got to 10, I, you know, I, I went in expecting basically what I got in terms of how insane the action is and how much, It's just completely impossible, and they really have to do stunts that are kind of mind-blowing to even conceive of and that, you know, are impossible to suspend your disbelief for. But what I was not ready for was, like, the first half hour of just, like, heartwarming family stuff. Mm, That's
2: the best part. Well, I know. it's,
1: It's a great part, but I just, that was not something that... I ship it. Stop. I, I love Rita Moreno. I mean, it's just in anything. In anything. In everything. Yeah. Uh, I really, I love
2: your perspective and let me ask you a, a deeper question that pivots to a question for the Joes. Yeah. Right? One of the main tenets of this film series is that while it requires the understanding of alpha masculinity and sort of like the traits that build up uh, hyper-testosterone sentiment one of the things is that it's defined by dom's ability to have feelings dom never is incapable of expressing his love for his family and one of the things that that leads to is the nature of a blended family like none other you can say a lot of shit about the fan about the uh fast and furious the fa- the fabulous baker fast furious um but you certainly cannot ever begin to accuse it of a lack of diversity Or um, sort of tokenism, because nobody's here just to be the black guy. If you're here, your blackness is a part of who you are, and it's beautiful. And so one of my questions for you guys is Fast X actually sacrifices character in a lot of ways in favor of understanding of definable tropes. And I think that's actually one of the film's strengths. How do you guys feel about not really needing to know the characters to have a good time? Now, that's for you, TK, yeah. as somebody who doesn't have eight of the films in your background. And that's for you, Joey and Joe, as people whose job it is in a lot of ways to walk people into this franchise, to help people begin to understand it. How do you guys feel about the tropening of characters? And of course, Kevy, I would love for you to bring up the rear.
1: I think that when you put the work into a 10 film franchise with spin-off films and, you know, sh- shows you, you actually do get the time to build up character over time in such a way that when you put the characters into the 10th film and allow them to interact with each other without ever worrying about what the audience doesn't know, and you have them speak as though they have, these literal decades of history between them, uh, and they would reference incidents in a way that is not expository, even though there is a lot that I did not know. Like, for instance, the scene with Helen mirren because Helen mirren fucking rocks. Oh my um, god, she's so
2: good in every one of these movies, dude.
1: I believe that she is. I had no idea who she was, I just figured she was some kind of informant, and then of course. I get to the scene with Jason Statham and they go, you know, they're they're going after family and it puts her in. And I'm like, oh, they're both British. Of course, that's his mother. Um, (laughs) But the fact that I didn't know that I didn't feel like I was losing anything from that scene where she's speaking to Dom. I was like, this is just Helen Mirren being an awesome old lady. And by the way, Helen Mirren, I love that this is your English crime accent. Uh, really, that you developed this is a beautiful thing. I'm so impressed with your British crime it's, underlord lady in s- accent. It's, it's like really
2: Flambeau, G. Uh, Gigi <laughs> G. Chesterton levels of like, I might it's I am a
0: crime lady. Oh, the jiggery and the pokery. Um, Skullduggery.
1: Aye. I- so, uh, yeah, I mean, I, at the end of the day, even though I kept, noted, like, it took me a while to figure out that uh, John Cena was actually uh, the, the most beautiful the man brother, the be blood brother of Dom Toretto. Uh, took them a while, too. That's okay, us, yeah, us yeah. too. So. Yeah, yeah, it's okay. of course, it, it, it came, comes late to the franchise. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm going to bring it up now, because we have to, that Dom has a black baby Confused me to the point of stopping the movie and trying we have not, theories
4: about that. We have, I mean, they're not, they're, that's probably also not, not the true. first, the first shade that of is, that baby. That is the third movie that Child has been in and the third different actor playing that child.
1: Oh, wow. Okay. And they've that's, all
4: looked radically different.
1: I did not think about that. That's important to know.
4: I was in a third Fast and Furious
1: film and it radicalized me. <laughs> I mean, this is my third <laughs> one and I'm feeling pretty radicalized. Um, is Charlize there in queer in this movie or does she just have short hair no she's the fucking worst thing about the franchise is what she fucking is Disagree. <laughs> well, really also her, so short hair I'm, we, we can get to that later but she's not there are no queer people in this movie in this Correct. franchise
2: um not- i actually i
1: have some
2: personal feelings that everybody in these films are bisexual i it, it very
1: much Could feels that re- way but no same-sex people kiss each other at any point Jordana I... Brewster and uh, Michelle Rodriguez don't uh, kiss. i about better say no, 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 no. They, no. There is no That'd chance they don't
2: smush parts at some point.
1: I would I think that is the case. You know, uh Paul Walker and Vin Diesel go off to one bedroom, Jordana Brewster and Michelle Rodriguez go off to the other. It's a fun night in that house. It is I missing think... this franchise is missing LGBTQIA plus characters. That's a
3: huge
1: bummer because it actually really feels like they could be in this movie and be safe in this family. Um, But I would rather they not be in it and be tokenized or be the butt of jokes than, uh, you know, not have them in at all. So, but I would love, you know, with two more movies coming out in this like fast X storyline, I'd love if at some one person could kiss another person the same sex
4: well that is something that we've talked about a lot on our show and also specifically with Nico and kevo but there is yep. in the animated series one of the main characters has two moms and then in one of the mm. video games one of the main characters is non-binary and so they are trying on the periphery but they have not yet made their way into the thing that like is the most visible that most people see yeah um but you which guys is unfortunate have...
2: You guys have such a progressive view on it that you say, you know, you could see the way that people read them as, um, you know, non-heterosexual, not that necessarily they are on paper. But so talk to me about how that fits into the tropism for you guys. Because, again, I use tropism in a good way here. I think it's a strength of the film. It's an acceptability by virtue of there's room for everyone. And it sometimes is letting the actors speak for the characters. How do you guys feel about that as, you know, Fast and Furious Sherpas?
4: Joe, you want to go for it?
3: Yeah, I think that actually, like, yes, they do exhibit a lot of tropes. But the things that we like about the movies is actually how rich and deep the characters can get at points. And that's always what we're watching these films for is to, like, watch them unfold and have deeper emotions than just what they look like or you know their giant muscles or whatever is going on so i think the tropism you make a great point that it makes it an easy entry point for people that maybe haven't watched all the films to have something that they see they like they can latch on to in a character and like the ability to be able to find someone in these films that you can see yourself in i think is a huge positive for them like if mm. you if you're any like nobody's not and nobody's not cool in these films either, right? Like everybody is like the coolest person you know and they Except look like Tej and every- Roman. <laughs> Even they're kind of cool,
0: right? But, so yeah, exactly. It's yeah. just all love. 100 percent
2: I just I love picking on Tejan Roman because they're the best.
1: Oh yeah. They're kind of the um waiting for Godot of this whole situation. Waiting for gal no, gadot. no waiting for the the, the most boo character uh uh that ruined a moment for me what, what? what? gal? yeah, yeah. It, it could have only been he's worse if a... you were
2: played by natalie portman he's not uh, a gal pal
1: i this is a uh, launch natalie portman natalie portman over gal gadot um oh
3: well, th- you know there's a whole history of gal Or you can assume
4: at least there's a whole history
1: I I did I went and looked this up Because I was wondering if like We were getting a prize of the entry of Gal Gadot Into the franchise Or if this was a return So I did look it up and I was bummed to learn that But uh, you know here we are
3: Yeah for like like For people that are really into the movies Gal was like a huge character And Han is pretty much everybody's favorite character So he lost his girlfriend And now she's just surprised back This is like mind blowing stuff here
2: now joe we joe we um i i think one of the things that's the best about your relationship with this franchise is you are a sort of like a a realist dreamer about it you see a lot of the film's best potential that's between the lines, but you recognize when the lines fall a little short of delivering that clarity for okay. people outside of doing the mile by minute trip that you and Joe are doing, uh, you know, breaking down this franchise. To... So my big question for you becomes as a guy who knows these films like, you know, real people, how does the simplification that sometimes the script allows for
4: play into your understanding of what these films are. So I think it's difficult. There's, there's two things I, I'm, I'm for it and I'm against it. I think for someone like TK, who has maybe, you know, not seen many of these movies or any of these movies that like every one of these movies has to be to a certain extent, someone's first fast and furious. think like they have to write it in a way that like people have to understand enough about what's going on that they can spend you know like our tickets for 23 dollars or whatever because it's new york imax prices like you're paying that much like i need to know at least something what's going on so there's a scene in the middle where ames and tess are like talking about like they're showing clips from past movies basically and they're like and this is the gang and this is the family and they started with dvd players and then they went to Rio it's like all this like you're like okay i kind of get that right i think What is what Joe and I look for in these movies is not the action, the action's what's going to bring people in, but like to a certain extent, when we're on these movies for the 13th time, which we just started our 13th lap, the action scenes we kind of don't care about them anymore. Like they are fun, yeah, and they are spectacle, but we want Mm. weird lines, we want character development. So I think the shortcut to your point is like. It's good. It's necessary to keep bringing people in. That someone's first Fast and Furious, they're going to go back and watch the other ten. Like TK, I know you love this movie so much. You're going to go. You're going to go catch the eight that you missed. I know that's coming. If you want to join us on the podcast, love to have you. But I think that the the reason we love these movies is for the characters, and I think oversimplifying them is understandable, but for us, a little disappointing. But like, there's no other way to do this without doing it like that.
2: And, you know, Kebo, that was something we talked about that like, you know, the best character for both of us in this film was Jacob Toretto. Excellent mm-hmm, character. Who yeah. Who had frankly, no personality last film. Nope. And you know, this is kind of a reference just for Joey, but if you ask me who Jason Momoa based his performance of Dante on, it's Kuja. From Final Fantasy IX, I think he based his performance on
0: Kuja. Mm-hmm. See, I felt like he was playing the Joker. Like, I literally
3: Kuja! felt... Kuja! I don't
0: know if it was Momoa's choice or if it was specifically how the character was written, which, hey, I mean, but it really felt like they were just writing the Fast Furious gang versus the Joker in some ways. Uh, so that was pretty wild.
4: Which makes Dom Batman, right? Basically, yeah. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Kind of tracks. Yeah. Oh gosh,
2: yeah. and that makes Paul Walker Jason Todd. Ooh. Gosh, and under the red hood, then has two meanings because it's under the red hood of the car. The car. Yeah. Fuck, uh, guys, death in the family.
0: He did it.
1: I feel like he's not Jason. Todd. I feel like he's like young Commissioner Gordon, Jimmy Olsen. I'm just trying to figure out what male
2: character Letty is. Um, So, Kevo, talk to me about tropes. Talk to me about tropes and people. And what makes us, people who maybe wouldn't necessarily interact with this particular franchise normally from the outside... What brings us back that we didn't just want to talk about it on someone else's show, but that we think there's so much good in this franchise, we want to talk about it on our own? And how did that play into the sort of color forms you can play with the characters?
0: Um, I mean, I, I and I chose the profile pictures that I picked for a few of these people for a reason, because of the colorful gas plume <laughs> motif. Yeah. That they used for... um, Nine. Mm -hmm. nine. That, like, we use? (laughs) Yeah. Um, Where every single character got a different color poster. Mm -hmm. And I think that really speaks to the way that they want these characters to stand out. Uh, and, you know, that's part of the superheroification of them. It's part of the action figurification of you need the characters to sort of stand and be different and have these uh, different things that draw you to them. Um, you know, Tej and Roman have a lot in common, but they specifically are very different. And that's why they play this sort of Statler and Waldorf uh, dynamic off of each other so much. It's it's. And it's also really, it's really wild to see how these characters are evolving over time. And Roman, especially in this movie, and the way that everyone was like, that's a leader. And I was like, good God, that was Brian's best friend from like second grade. And we haven't seen Brian in ages, but Roman is still here. And everyone is like, Roman, our old buddy. And you're just (laughs) like, yeah, that just is what these movies sort of are sometimes you made that point earlier of everyone is just, you know, one good heartfelt talk away from being invited to the cookout. And it is how these people have this capacity for forgiveness and to fold all of these different people into their group as well. It's not just that they are themselves, these dynamic, um, figures uh that 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 stand uh for these different tropes but they constantly welcome in and and usher out uh different characters and you know it's almost marvel-esque in in a lot of ways this franchise that they have built
2: you know it's a really cool thing feeling like we've spent a couple of years with these characters, because one of the things that I walk away from most grateful for is when we look at this board of everybody's films and right, it gets a little hard to read because there's a lot of films and a lot of characters. But what you can see here on this board is every character from the franchise that appears in the course of fast X. And I just think that a, a franchise that dedicates so much time to remembering characters deserves that sort of respect back. One of the things that I thought was really crazy was trying to realize that by the time this franchise ends, trying to make it fit good. the actors are going to be Expendables age. And there's sort of a natural fascination because... I can think of a few franchises that have played out over the course of 40, 50 years. I'm looking at you, Indiana Jones, which I am very excited to talk about. Uh, Apparently, Um, it's
1: abysmal.
2: Great. Even more excited to talk about it. Perfect.
4: (laughs) Indiana Jones and the whip crack of old age. So I'm here for it. I did but, like his quote that he's just like, I'm an old man on a horse. I want to look like an old, old man on a man horse. Man it's a like horse. he's leaning into it, right? They're not gonna they're not gonna fix that in post. They'll let him be an old man on a horse. Yep. And
2: I think the thing that it draws my attention to is this might represent the most long term consistent form of regular serialized soap opera media in theaters. I don't Ooh. think any one thing has gone as long as this has. And my biggest problem with Fast X to finally move to this movie was this felt less like a film and more like a collection of YouTube shorts Mm -hmm. addressing every character in the franchise. And that left me feeling kind of cold. My biggest attachment in this film series is watching Dom overcome someone try to hurt his family. Dom's source of strength is his family, but it also becomes his weakness. Don't poke him in the family, it makes him stronger. Don't poke him in the family, it makes him weaker. It sort of becomes a hit points versus attack points situation. The more you go after Dom's family, the fewer his hit points. But the lower his hit points, the greater his attack becomes. This film lacked an understanding of balance Any actor entering a script has to think about highs and lows of a scene, has to think about how to dynamize their script. This film failed to dynamize because it treated each moment as a five-star video rating instead of as a film moment. That's my big criticism of this film and then i want to do really big positive takeaways too but i would love to get everybody's how do you feel about this as a an 11th movie in a franchise what did this film mean to you as a standalone versus entry film
4: in a franchise and i'd love so to this, go down oh perfect but, I was about to say, i'd love to go to whoever's got one i was gonna say that this is something we've talked about a lot over the last couple of weeks since we saw this movie on our show and i think for people who don't know the backstory it's important to know that justin lynn was directing this movie and then left production a week into shooting not a week into production a week into shooting and was scrambled to be replaced by Louis Leterrier. and so he's given a lot of interviews understandably over the last couple of weeks as the movie has come out he's doing promotion for it and he talked about breaking this out as a, se- a season of tv as opposed to a movie because i think the thing that's on the screen now that that Kevo just navigated away from, but like the, the amount of characters and not all these people are in the movie, but like the amount of people who have importance within the franchise and also like importance to the box office and egos and everything and nothing bad. Just like you have 15 or 20 enormous names that were like leading actors in movies that you have to get into the movie. And I don't know how you do it. So I don't, I agree with you. Nico, I don't think it's necessarily a movie especially since it ends in the middle of a scene or the middle of three different scenes. I want to talk to Kevo about that. That's a conversation started that we've tabled on our show because I want to ask Kevo as the story guy, the kind of arc. We'll get to that a little bit later, hopefully. Mm -hmm. But I think that the fact that this works at all is kind of a miracle. Yeah. Even though I I wish that it was more of a movie than just a collection of set-up stories to a later payoff
3: joey was saying that like he he had a problem with exactly what you're saying that it kind of ends at this point and it's not a movie and i think that eventually we're gonna have to contextualize this with the other half of the film it's never gonna be understood or analyzed as its own it is clearly a part one of a two-parter and in that sense like i can't judge it on that merit yet although i do think that like the running the four different like four simultaneous storylines and kind of just cutting it up i think that was the only way you could balance it or bring any balance to this like joey said with how many characters you have it makes it really really difficult so actually splitting them apart and having divergent storylines kind of worked better for me than putting them all in a room like they usually do or a majority of them in a room and then having kind of everybody fight for attention and screen time
2: I love both of those perspectives. And I think they really highlight why people might come back to these franchises so endlessly. And speaking of people who've come back to these franchises, Kevo, you know, you are a guy who says, no, no, if that is called, you know, comic issue number three, I don't care that it's part three of five. It should be issue number three. How did you feel about fast X and it's, part in this bigger picture of serialized storytelling adapting the screen it fits on
0: um you know i think a lot of it even speaks to what the joes were saying uh where so much of this is going to be recontextualized once the story is out and uh, in a way that I think is so different from even something like Infinity War, where Infinity War stands as a standalone film, as the Infinity War. But this really turned out to be like the first part of a two-parter, like a two-part episode, and or maybe two. We don't even know, and that's something that is my boy's coming little... back. So there's going to be three because my guy's coming back. Yeah, and that's something that is a little bit more complicated than I think I've seen on film before. Um, I perhaps wish I'd been expecting it a little bit more because to me, in a lot of ways, this didn't even feel like a film as sort of like a miniseries uh, where there's these serialized chapters and then there's the big cliffhanger. And it's really more for me agita of not knowing where it's going to be going not knowing how it's going to unfold it was supposed to be there's one more and now surprise there's two more but there's always all these rumors of there's going to be a female-led film and there's still all these entries for there's supposed to be another Hobbs and Shaw and And there's also
4: one that Vin has mentioned recently called The Toretto's which we know nothing about other than a title but there's going to be another movie maybe called The Toretto's so And all of that is really great, but it's just a
0: matter of, you were like, this is it. This is the end. And Mm -hmm. something that it gave me flashbacks to was of all things, toward the end of Steven Universe's run, when they were doing all of these really climactic like, driving toward an ending things, but they weren't saying the show was ending or anything. And then like, they were like, it's a movie! We're doing a movie! And then we're doing a final season, and then that's it. And it just came out of nowhere. And It's just a matter of wanting to be prepared for what I am watching. And I think that's where um, it sort of gets me uh, with it being such a strange way to tell the story. It's not even that it's bad. um, And, you know, like you guys said, there's so many characters that they want to make sure all get featured. And so you have to like cycle through these stories at a mad pace at times it's the only way you can make sure that you get everyone featured and you know it's it's what everybody wants to do i mean all these people are playing these characters and you know everyone has their different say by this point which is wild but it's just the producer credit everyone has earned by this point is they're practically (laughs) all just making it themselves so you know it's it's like you said sometimes these films when it gets to a franchise and when they encounter these hurdles it's a miracle when it comes out the way it does
4: so this is a this is the question that we wanted to ask you about because i don't like infinity war as much as you guys do i remember when you did the mcu countdown around endgame It came out on top among your listeners. And and you had it at like
2: number 17. And I'm like, I'm
4: like, I like parts of it. Like when Cap steps out of the shadows, I'm like, hell yeah, that's an awesome moment. And then it's just like, I feel like it's a part one of a two. And I think it works better than this on its own. But this also feels kind of like the Matrix Reloaded where that movie's like, it ends with Neo in a coma. And you're like, and Agent Smith's in the real world. It's just like, I don't know. But it's like in six months, you'll get a resolution. Here, we have maybe two years to wait Yeah. We also don't know what's happening next. If the writer's strike impacts that, it might be longer. Yep. And my real question for you, Kevo, and also Nico and TK, if you want to chime in as well. I didn't know you were going to be here, but welcome to this question that I've had brewing in my mind for two weeks. Is this at all acceptable? Is this okay? Like, is it permissible for a major motion picture that charges full admission price to make fans wait two years and if this is like a less successful franchise like if this movie bombs at the box office which it hasn't but if it bombs they're like why would we give you 350 million dollars for the next one like there's a chance that with any number of things that could go wrong we never get an 11 and like this does not feel satisfying like is this something that we should be as fans of like media and movies entertainment in general should we allow should we be okay with this my quick answer
2: is no. Uh, this is actually one of the things that we've always done on this show, whether it was HTML or Access for Podcast. We say, is this worth your $399 as a comic book issue? Or is this worth your eleven seventy-five as a movie ticket? And this would not have been worth my time as a film. As an entry in a franchise, it's worth my time. Mm-hmm. But as a film, no. No, I felt very shortchanged. Imagine if you bought a beer and you started drinking it and you got to hold the <laughs> bottle and you got to smell the beer, but you didn't get to taste it or feel the buzz for possibly two and a half years if you got it at all. Is that yeah. beer a Corona? Uh, well, if it is, at- then there's food all over the place. Okay. But, uh, you know, with that, I don't want to forget, TK, when you answered the, the previous question, I, if you could please bring up that you didn't realize that Rita Moreno, this was her first movie because that was like the selling point. But I definitely want Kevo in your answer to Joey's question, too, because it's such a great question.
1: Thank you so yeah i i mean that goes to the thing i was saying about how i wasn't really expecting the family aspect of this i didn't really realize that that was and then, like i even knew the meme um that kevo whips oh, out yeah. at least once a week when we're recording oh, um the family yeah. i think it's about to about to pop up um but kind like i didn't realize <laughs> it was going to be as like you know uh barbecues with everybody there and just like the rainbow family of it all, which I just, I did love and Rita Moreno shows up and it's just like, of course she does. Of course she's their mother. Uh, and so my assumption, and this was backed up by Helen Mirren being there. My assumption was that she had just been in the other movies that I hadn't seen uh,
4: so Man, you know, I, I love so much. Sorry. Sorry. I love so much. And I'm like, were you ready for how crazy it was? And the answer was yes, but you were not ready for like how normal it was. Yeah. Like that's
3: what threw you, which is so weird and it's wonderful. Wild to hear. Yeah. I agree. I'm, I'm loving it too.
1: Yeah. Um, Wouldn't 100% that's, that is exactly correct. I was not ready for the kind of normalcy and just like, you know, that he hugs his fucking kid. Like mm-hmm. there, those were the <laughs> yeah. moments. Yeah. I, was like, I, don't, I didn't realize they did that. Um, <laughs> his unrecognizable <laughs> kid
4: yeah that i i'll leave that one alone for now there's a scene in the ninth movie where he calls his kid like thinking he's about to die but like make sure you do your homework and you listen to uncle brian like there's like a real tender like phone call like they take the time to be like no he's a good person and a good father
1: uncle off screen um
4: so <laughs> you were saying.
1: but to go back to the question um yeah, I'm. I'm totally good with it. I think uh, after wow. you know decades of cinema, we're kind of running. It's kind of the like the what's happening with this movie internally as well. We're running out of things to do. It's boring to just release movies the same way now. Um, we have to take some risks and we have to kind of make some assumptions about behavior. The fact of the matter is, if you build up a 10 movie franchise, people are probably just gonna go see the 11th. Most people who care will go and there won't probably will not yes it is a risk but there will probably not be such a backlash that you made a mistake by splitting them up in this way when you can definitely make a second movie i remember the first time i really thought about this was kill bill uh should kill bill have just been one movie no. Did I hate the wait? Was it interminable? Absolutely.
2: But it could have been three movies.
1: It, it absolutely could have been three movies. It could have been one movie, but they, you know, Tarantino knew what he had on his hands and knew he could make people pay to see two different films. Uh, I, this is clearly what's happening here. Do I think this is the height of cinema? No, I think if you make <laughs> a really yes. solid film, it does have the clear, defined lines of beginning, middle, and end. Have I seen this with Kill Bill, Harry Potter, the MCU, probably the DC movies? I just didn't care what was happening. Um, but yeah, to me, it's just like. Make four more of them, and you can't understand a single one of them unless you watch all four, because they've just already done so much. It's the reason why I'm like, drive the car into space, but do the Elon Musk Tesla to Mars and have it be part of the Fast and Furious franchise.
4: They've done that oh that was last i don't movie. know what
1: else they would do well time uh, travel
4: like we we talk about a lot because yeah. like they they literally do so they're for years tk i don't know if you had heard like if you had picked up on this but like for years the meme was like they're gonna go to space it's gonna yeah. be crazy. There's nothing
3: left like you're saying yeah
4: and yeah. they went to space they right. literally sent a fiero into outer space and so we're like Three how do ago. you how do you up space and it's like well time travel and so in this movie cypher shows up in a delorean they make two or three jokes about time travel like they know that we're all collectively like you're gonna one-up yourself and they haven't done that yet like when jacob unveils the cannon car it's like is that a time machine no it's just a car with cannons on it but like it looks like a goddamn time machine yeah so they know what they're doing and like it would not be surprising in the least if in 11 or hobbs or whatever there is time travel right like it's gonna happen at some point or it's not but like the the bar as you've been saying has been set like one up yourself go crazy we've already suspended disbelief keep going I mean I think yep. probably like things like AI will be become
1: huge like they'll start talking about quantum computing as it relates to cars and in film stuff ones. from
0: spy racers that they did yeah where like someone yeah. tries to set up all the volcanoes in the world and they have to yep. stop that
1: well um, and a- because like the mission impossible movies are also doing this so like it's you know it's I, I to me it's it's all kind of expected and exactly on course. I think it would be more disappointing to me if at this point they were just like, "Yep, we just, you know, made another one, beginning middle and end and it's done." Um, I'm more excited it's about this franchise now knowing that I bought in and I have to go watch another one to see what Ooh. happens with Jason Momoa. So Kevo I have to ask
2: you, Joey's question, how do you feel about this as an entry in a larger thing? Is this for you like the David trilogy and Animorphs where you'd be real screwed if you just tried to read the second one? Or is this for you like any old book of Animorphs where it's just like, well, fucking yurks
0: and puberty? Where's all this Animorph stuff coming from today? <laughs> okay. Um... I, you know, the thing that I really felt on this movie more than anything is, that like, as the plot was developing, and as we're finding out who the bad guy is, I was like, it's another person that Dom wronged in a previous movie who's coming back for revenge. It's just going to keep happening, and eventually the answer is just you have to retire. So that was Ooh. like... Because you're just going to keep pissing people off. And they're just going to keep coming for you. And the cycle is just going to continue. So in that way, it sort of felt like this is just a perpetual cycle. Um, was Am I afraid or was I afraid at any point that we're not going to get a conclusion to this film? No. Even with the writer's strike, even if this bombed, knowing how dedicated Vin Diesel is to the projects that he loves and how hard he would work, I... Would, and, and just the day and age that we live in, where so many things get second, third, fourth, twentieth chances, I... No, I don't think we're not going to get a conclusion to this story in some way, Riddick. shape, or form, even if it's just a Los Bandoleros form. We'll get something. I'm not worried that we won't find out what happened to these characters or anything like that. Uh, it's really mostly... I don't like, appreciate, or think it was a good risk with not having the next one in the can not being ready in a year with the next installment the fact that we don't know is it going to be 2025 that's already way too long Mm -hmm. it might be 2026 or Mm -hmm. longer just for the next one and there's supposed to be another after that and they're talking about it's still not done so this franchise is going to be gone on for like 26 years
3: well, at so a certain the, point,
0: and it's new- and it's totally fine to keep going, but like, I want more in that time. Not take all of that time to tell just two more
4: movies. You want the Spy Racers effect, or just like pull another season out of somewhere? But there is the news somewhere that in came between out this week where there's apparently a new movie called Hobbs, which is going to come out before Eleven, and that supposedly is already written. So like if that's the case, they could theoretically shoot that this year and release that next year. Because, like, they they have enough movies that, like, we always thought when Hobbs and Shaw first came out, they're gonna go Hobbs and Shaw, yep. F9, Hobbs and Shaw 2, whatever, you know what I mean? And then COVID happened, everything ground to a halt, and then vin and the rock had a falling out and who knows whatever is true of any of that right but like there's enough movies that they've announced or teased or previewed or whatever that they could do one a year and that feels like enough like you know we don't have to do the marvel thing of three or four a year but if you give one major summer blockbuster a year that's incredible and i think that fits the void that you're talking about
0: i also love that you're saying the name of that movie is hobbs which which gives the implication that the spin-off branch of these films could take the same naming style as the main branch. And like the yep. next one can be Shaw. The mm-hmm. next one after yep. that can be Shaw's plural because mm-hmm. there's three of them. Mm-hmm. So like that, that that's just, that's just, that's beautiful. And that's, you know, that's what I'm saying. I, that's what I love about this franchise is that there can be so much, but if it's, Potentially, they're slowing down after just having done this. I do find that frustrating. I agree. Nico.
2: Which brings me to a question. I think that Vin Diesel's really... You could almost convince me it's Synthol. He is always so flexed. Other than Vin Diesel's gigantic fucking old man biceps, which, Daddy, choke me. We're, we're I'm here for it. <laughs> um, I'm going to lick your bald head. I... Think the other thing that this film offers is, guys, over under. How many days of shooting do you think Brie Larson did?
4: Ten. That's say I I was gonna that's, say that's, six. That's under that. i would say five. Yeah, right? she and did I get it, that. She so. did e five. Bridge stuff, prison stuff, bar stuff. The bridge there,
1: and the bar, I think, took longer
4: than you guys think it did. No, okay. I know, but she's not in the bridge the entire time. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I think. Was I there a travel too she though. was?
1: She's she has a scene in the black box. She has the scene with Michelle Rodriguez. She has a scene at the bar. She has a scene at the bridge. Right.
4: So, Still, yeah, the, eight the days. The, I think it's less than ten. I don't think it's a lot, but I think it's also the thing where it's like they made such a big deal about getting Brie Larson in the movies, and understandably so. Like she leads a Marvel movie. She's an yeah. Academy Award-winning actress, and then she's, she's on screen for eight minutes, right? Well, and like. How many of these actors did it in that? How many of these actors? Like,
2: you know, fucking The Rock, Dwayne Johnson. Charlize. Charlize Theron. Like, how many actors filmed? Exactly. John Cena, the most beautiful man in the world.
1: He's very handsome. And just, I love that they drove a plane out of a plane that was fun that was i was like okay I'm... TK, there is so much that you're gonna back. love
4: you're gonna love yeah. in these movies there's so yeah. much you're talking you're hinting at that you don't even know so fun. you've done this all before and it's been beautiful i fully believe it so how do you guys feel about how
2: many of the actors that uh were basically uh the equivalent of bond and a Bond spoof uh in terms of filming days on set for this
1: i think that's the way to do it at number 10 uh, what I'm really impressed by is that they added people, uh, you know, that they added Rena Moreno, that they added Brie Larson. It's starting to feel like DLC though, bro. <laughs> 100%. I buy the DLC, I'm the problem, I'm the reason that the industry perpetuates the terrible standards that it has. I will buy the DLC without thinking about it, then hate it and buy the next one. Um, and you know, I, I, it. it Nico, you called it a playlist of moments. And I kind of was like, that's all I want. I don't want something that's more involved. And like, I got who everybody was without like i did a little bit of research because i have to come on a show and talk about it but like i said the helen mirren thing was the perfect example i was like okay this is like an lady in the underground no who can give them information they're just having a cool conversation helen mirren brought in a new accent it's great stuff then she shows up on the screen and i'm like oh she's the mom that's really cool and that happened like six or seven times and, and all of the scenes are just like, now this person's here. Now that person's here. Brie Larson puts spikes on all her shoes for some
4: fucking reason. <laughs> because it looks awesome and she's able to yeah. squish hoods. Uh,
1: yeah, Anything's she squishes hoods, she smashes balls. I so get it. I'm obsessed with it. I just thought it was really funny that they're like, her thing is spikes uh, sold. <laughs> um, so I'm confused. Are she and um, Scott Eastwood kurt russell's children no scott he eastwood. is not, not. she yet. is she is definitely his child but yes. scott eastwood even though he's called little nobody yes is not
4: that's nonsense yeah that's a he... diminutive dismissive nickname that it's he's less than nothing yeah yes.
2: he's sort of like the annabelle gish to Gillian anderson on the x-files
4: that's
1: also nonsense but i get what's happening she's making the dolphin noises during the birthing okay
4: and that makes Tess William the baby? <laughs> is that the name? Is that the baby name? I think it's the baby name, Yeah, right? William. William. Yeah. Whew. Glad I pulled that. I would have felt very disappointed in myself. Nico, I have a question for you. Can I ask you a question?
2: Absolutely.
4: So there's a big thing that people have pointed out that you know people have written into our show, have loved, that we loved in the theaters. The music in this movie is incredible. They finally use Gasolina which feels like it should have been in every fast and furious movie hadn't been up to this point, but I want to specifically call attention to the scene in which Dante evokes Swan Lake on the bridge and Brian Tyler, not your BT, but Brian Tyler incorporates it into the score in a way. And he says, quote, Dante is charming and he makes you laugh. So I used high strings like the harp. And then we get into bass music with modern instruments it gives you this feeling that you can't look away. There's a sense of empathizing with him and why he becomes this villain. So as the music guy, did you love the soundtrack? Did you love the score? Did you love the way that it was composed, that it was brought in here? Did you love the Swan Lake Needle Drop? What did you think of the, com- the composition of this movie?
2: So if you want to tell me that you've heard about Smart Things you should definitely tell me about Sinsu's The Art of War. And if you want to tell me that you've heard about a really long book, you should tell me about War and Peace or Anna Karenina. And if you want to tell me that you listen to cool indie music, you can tell me all about your remastered copy of Anything by Wilco. But if what you want to channel is something that evokes something powerful. How many people do you think actually recognize Swan Lake? Right? I think a, a, a bunch. I don't know. As I did
0: Swan Lake, I don't know. But do they yeah. recognize the music?
2: Fair, sure. Fair.
4: So why he not? Also, I think he says Swan Lake. Or he says Nutcrack. He says sure, something. Sure.
2: But then you're what going for what? such an obvious pedestrian yeah. reference. And there's better... Pieces by Debussy, by Chopin, by like all of these people who aren't Tchaikovsky, who is the master of the classical ballet. But like people recognize pieces from Wagner, they recognize pieces from Madame Butterfly. I'm not saying use BD Wong solo from M Butterfly from 89. But I am saying, I can see why these are standards. Why references that are standard references are standard references. But when I've seen a hundred other people reference Swan Lake, I mean, like when you say Swan Lake, I immediately go to Black Swan. And now I don't Mm -hmm. care that Fast and Furious did a pedestrian take on something I've seen Natalie Portman, the greatest actress of her generation and TK's favorite. Um, I've seen her... You know, fucking smash fucking vag with Mila Kunis. Like, I do love that movie. You Give me a fucking break. How are you going to make a reference to Swan Lake that comes anywhere near the two of them smashing fucking clits? And it's just not going to happen.
4: This is not the answer I expected, but it's the one I should have expected. <sighs> yeah, probably.
2: So, uh, to that until you can give me a Swan Lake reference as powerful as Swans Crossing, the uh, WB-esque WPIX, 4.30 in the afternoon then 4.30 in the morning, Soap Opera Star, Sarah Michelle Geller. I just don't think you have the Swan reference to make me go quack quack, bitch. Quack quack, bitch.
0: Okay. Uh, if I could take a swing, though, because I am a huge fan of Brian Tyler. Um, I'm so sorry that I don't know
2: the sound that a fucking swan makes. It's like a honk, honk, Honk. just happened. (laughs) We all know it. Right. I forgot. Sorry, Kevin, you go. Are you on coke? (laughs) Not right Um,
0: now. And, you know, I don't disagree with you that I didn't enjoy it. Uh, And. Most specifically, like, this is what's making you feel this character is sympathetic? No. Nothing about this villain was sympathetic. Uh, he was entertaining. But no, there is no, you killed my daddy, so now I have revenge. No. Shut up, Brian. No. There is nothing that you could have played over that scene that would have made me, in that moment, connect with that. No, there's no connecting with him. He... The scene he's with him playing body. with the dead bodies.
3: Mm-hmm. No, there's
0: no sympathy. There's there's he's and that's okay. Uh it's okay for a villain to be that, but I'm not interested in anything like that. And I swear to god, if he turns up at the cookout in two movies,
3: I'm gonna it, be so it mad. It kinda has to happen though, right? I don't know. No, this really one's too to. much. He needs okay. to blow up.
1: I'm, he needs okay. to be shot into the sun. I think I think he <laughs> is going to be shot into the sun. I think the interesting thing about him is he points to the question like are these guys really the good guys like you're not supposed to sympathize with jason momoa but you are supposed to kind of be like he's not wrong they do like wreak wanton destruction wherever they go and leave a path of bodies in their wake and i can imagine it's like the the invisibles the first thing that happens in Grant Morris <laughs> the Invisibles, is that one of the guys shoots a henchman and it the, the trauma it informs the rest of the series, series because like yes. superheroes leave bodies in their wake and we just are like, no, they're the good guys. And Jason Momoa is not someone you're supposed to sympathize with, but you are supposed to be like, they did kill his dad and take all of his money. Like his hot, his, hot dad, his hot, hot dad, breeding a hot, hot son, his hot, uh, hot dad, everybody and just like, money. I mean, the cycles going on on that set is somebody in charge of that specifically. I have to believe. Um, but to your point of like the musical cues, I obviously, I didn't have the moment of sympathizing with him, but I did have this moment of being like, they know what they're doing here. They are giving us a villain that is making us stop and be like, well, points have been made. And when you contrast that with some music that is like stereotypically for, the the sympathetic villain it does something interesting i think they kind of screwed it up by doing the nail painting scene i think that was like no now he's just crazy yeah Yeah. Um, Uh, you know at
2: any given point he looks like he's either about to join a nelson cover band or perhaps tell me that he's the one who wants to be with me and deep inside he hopes i feel it too but the bigger complication for me with this villain is Jason Momoa, really, really, I mean, I have never been a fan of Jason Momoa's. He is my least favorite thing about the Stargate franchise. He is not an actor I have ever felt anything for, and I've come out very strongly against his work on HTML because I just think he's very flat. But in this, I truly felt like he was given i i don't know like have you ever heard the richard cheese cover of down with the sickness and the Uh, ways in uh, which uh, it uh. exactly the ways it takes the song and elevates it Mm -hmm. i really feel like jason momoa this is his ah, ah, ah. i really genuinely feel like what he did was he took something that i guess is like i'm i'm actually like an ironic disturbed fan i think that you know the sickness is a great record you know what i mean like it's silly dropping plates off your ass you know what i mean um but it was successful but it's dumb as shit it's embarrassingly bad and occasionally the script he was given was some of the worst dialogue the franchise has had and not that the franchise has nothing but bad dialogue but the worst of anything is not good Right, the worst thing Meryl Streep has ever done is still like probably punched a homeless person, you know what I mean? And that's still pretty
1: bad. So,
2: <laughs> I thought I'd get through it without
1: laughing. I'm so Kevo, tired. if you're editing stuff, maybe that one just falls no. by the
4: wayside. You no, it, it started normal and then just became Nico.
1: Anyway, um, I, just I do think he did a really I do really does job. feel like he was given a script and a director was like. I don't know just have fun with it what what were you thinking of doing just go with it like do whatever you want and he kind of did i don't feel it does not feel like he was directed it does not feel like this performance was pre-planned by the production staff it feels like that he was told, like, what do you want to do? How do you want to ham this up? What would make it the easiest to, like, kind of get it out? And this is his kind of, like, silly over the topness that works regardless of how hammy the dialogue is. Now, how did you guys feel about Dante? Like, Kevo?
2: joey joe how did you guys feel about uh the villain with the biggest perm
3: i i kind of liked him it looked like so for me one of the biggest things i took away and why i like dante so much is because it looked like jason momoa was having a fucking blast doing this character oh yeah like he looked like he was personally enjoying it and it just like exudes off the screen for me so like i can't hate on anybody that's having that much fun doing their job at all yeah so good on that And two, I also have like a side theory that I don't think that his character was supposed to be as prevalent in this movie as it was. And it possibly it could have been like him and Cypher split bad guy duties. But they liked it enough that they gave him way more screen time than I thought that he was originally going to get. They were like, oh, this looks like he's having a blast. Everybody else seems like they're having fun. He's doing a good job. Like, keep going. And they're just like, they're just right. Because, I mean, they're changing the script. We know that Justin Lin leaves in the first week. Like, they have to be, you know, updating, moving the script around a little bit as they're shooting. So they're like, just keep writing it. We'll just keep shooting it as you write it. Like, go. It's Dylan McKay
2: syndrome. Yeah. Dylan McKay was so cool that even though he's only supposed to be in one episode of 90210, they literally on the spot kept writing new dialogue for Luke Perry. So that his character would stick around. Exactly. The opposite
1: of Eric Balfour syndrome.
2: Aww.
4: Yeah, or everybody else on Ellen. (laughs) i I think one thing that this franchise has always kind of lacked is a strong central villain i think everything like what stands out is the team comes together against whatever faces them and it's like great it's ai against the world or it's this or it's that but never really had like somewhere you can point to like that's a great villain like deckard statham as deckard and seven is the best villain momo is up there momo is up there if only by process of elimination but i also think to joe's point he's having a lot of fun he's fun to watch i like the nail painting scene i think it all works to to really show like they like they've not really gone against someone who seems not afraid to die and i feel like there's something about him that's unhinged in a way that feels new and refreshing for the franchise which i'm excited by
0: And we were not really feeling Cypher, uh, for as much as we all love Charlize, uh, you guys have a show about Charlize, like, we Mm -hmm. think she's great, uh, but this character never really picked up, she was always kind of grating, uh, she was always kind of too serious, in a lot of ways that didn't really match the tone of the franchise, and I think for as much as I feel Jason Momoa could be cartoonish, uh... They're going to space. That fits the tone. And, you know, you want to enjoy these. It doesn't want to feel like a dramatic slog. You, It wants to be fast paced. And I feel like Cypher was uh, just not really doing it. Unfortunately,
4: well, what I liked about this movie in particular with Cypher is that they realized, oh, right, we have Atomic Blonde, we've stuck her behind a computer for two movies. We have like one of the most competent, adept, badass leading ladies in Hollywood. Let's let her fight people. And they give yep. her two really good fight scenes, and it shows. It's like, yes, look great. that's a yeah. good thing.
2: You know who belongs in this franchise? That's okay. We have to wrap up because time wise, we have to wrap up, but that's it. That's what we're going to end on. We're going to end on a cool question. Who would you add into this franchise? And who would they play possibly if you have a role for them? I'm telling you right now, I want Hilary Swank to play Dom Toretto's godfather's daughter. Dom Toretto's
4: godfather's daughter.
2: Okay. Who also races cars. And uh, it's Hilary Swank. And she's just fucking full on, like, man Hilary Swank and she just fucking fights she kills cypher she punches cypher it's very get away from my daughter you bitch it's very just kill bellatrix um and i think hillary swank would just come into the films and be like oh guys oh uh, oh, oh guys oh in that way that hillary swank is in every film and gets oscars for it because it's great she goes she what charlie on sunny is funny she plays very
1: seriously
2: very often and i just think that behind the wheel in a fast and furious movie she does
0: give gail the snail yeah
2: so guys (laughs) who would you add to this franchise and if i could add anybody else uh it would just be uh I don't know just somebody silly like I would add like I... actually somebody like ridiculous for fun just for the good laugh like Martha Stewart plays Martha oh. Stewart who is still like a drag racer but she's Martha Stewart like just something for silly but like you I know, was... Hillary Swank or Martha Stewart
3: please I was gonna go with the low hanging fruit because we're talking to you guys and just add Tyler Posey in as Jacob's I mean, yeah. son and then he's Jacob's son and you get you know Uncle Dom right there uncle dom yeah, yeah
2: uncle dom exactly. you want to subscribe to my only fans
0: <laughs> it's this tyler
4: the rumor for a year since hobbs and shaw was keanu and i feel like keanu is a natural mm-hmm. fit apparently uh alan Richson, we were talking about him before took the keanu role that was originally supposed to be keanu as the lead of the agency yeah um, but scheduling conflicts he dropped out and alan richmond took that position but better he,
2: better job there seriously yeah i would want, want keanu still, to be keanu. a good
4: guy you still got room to have keanu in here somewhere right so let's yeah. get him in there
2: and zephron why not zephron oh well, he that. should have been
4: scott a little world. nobody that's yeah, the whole thing this. yeah mm-hmm.
2: He's so fucking roided out for that uh, super wrestler movie he's making coming no, up. And great. That's right. That's going to great. He looks yeah. like truly deformed at this point. It looks incredible on it. As a guy who appreciates, you know, roid gut, he looks really like none of the guys in this movie could carry the weight that Zach Efron carries on that frame. And I wonder if because uh, it's John Cena, The Rock, like wrestlers, literal wrestlers only. I wonder if that's part of the danger of casting a Zephron when he's so thick fucking
4: beef. Well, he was ripped for so long. And then didn't he say, Joe, he's just like, he I don't want to, to do quit. this anymore. I'm tired of said, having to work out all the day. And then yeah, all he said after sudden...
3: Baywatch, he was done doing this. And then we saw the preview for the wrestler movie. And we were like, Zeph, come on, man. Like, because he was he was just like dicking off with Bear girls for like a year and a half or longer. And we were like, that's good. Looks like he's living his life. And then like, no, he's all juiced up again. I don't know. If he wants to be good for him,
2: if you can handle that trend cycle and that trend cough doesn't freak you the fuck out for the first twenty minutes, good for you. So, Kevo, uh, TK, uh, who we adding uh, to the Fast and Furious?
1: Uh, I'm I was trying to like think of a good queer male actor. I want to go with Lee Pace. He's excellent a, choice. He, oh, he's a be good, good in age this. for this bunch. Uh, he is. Stunningly beautiful. Uh, you know, he'd probably throw on a few pounds of muscle to be in one of these movies. Uh he is the guy who comes to the barbecue and tells everybody it's okay to kiss each other.
4: And he also <laughs> says, While we're here, let's play bodies, bodies, bodies. And they're like, How do you know about that game?
2: <laughs> and he did put on a good amount of size for Ronin. Yeah. You know. Which I mm-hmm. feel so
1: bad for him about.
2: Yeah, like uh when uh kumail All did of them, it. Though for Eternals you know he did it for himself for Eternals because his character was never going to be shirtless but like then he did that AAIP month ad where he's like 10 times bigger than he was in Eternals and you're like
0: wow Wow. Kevo who we adding um probably just because we've been so oversaturated on it lately but um I want to see some drag queens Oh, let's, uh, let's get, let's, let's, let's find an excuse to get some sort of, uh, mini episode Trixie in one Mattel. of these.
2: Trixie Mattel driving Barbie's dream um, car.
0: Perhaps there needs to be some sort of, uh, closing scene of birdcage-esque shenanigans where they need to disguise themselves and get the help of some local drag queens. And, um, you know, Tej and Roman fight over whose tits look better. Uh, oh, uh, just because Drag Race is right there. And so I'm Bianca Del Rio and my car runs on insults. You're stupid. Yeah, you are said yeah, you said Trixie and I'm like, no, if someone is going to get behind the wheel and be as aggressive as everyone, if you anyone would be able to stand up to Letty, it's Bianca Del Rio. I feel
2: like Lucy would literally drive like she's willing to die in a way that I like, I mean, uh... you
1: don't so mean, know these it's, women. It's got to be like Aquaria or Violet and they're just, they're just like beat and they just, I don't know. I, I think this is a brilliant idea, Kevo. I have a lot of Shangi
2: behind the wheel though.
1: No, I, I want Shanji to blow up in the bomb <laughs> that goes into the river, but this time it's just the old Mississippi river. I'm Candy, and this is how I drive my car.
2: Miss Vanjie's car can only back up.
0: <laughs>
3: Ferris Horn is up at
0: all.
4: <laughs>
0: we make our own fun.
2: Valentina's horn. I was uh, going
1: to say Valentina actually would be a fucking banging option. She refuses
2: to take the thing out of her. Uh, I'd like windshield. to keep the sham on, please. Okay, so back to back to cars, um, and not just hot girls. So. Joey, Joe, uh, I want to thank you guys not for being on the show because fuck you both for that. I want <laughs> to thank you both actually really seriously. In the last couple of years, I've had to really open my mind to new ideas because it came pretty clear to me that if all I ever liked were the X-Men, Daredevil, Disney movies and Broadway shows, I was going to live a really predictably sad life and taking a chance on stuff that I had no thought fucking interest in like fat like fast and furious like drag race for tk and jonah it's actually like genuinely transformed my life i might not have the best relationship with fast and the furious but like i do actually go to the new york international Auto show and yes it's for hot older boyfriend but it's for the fact that there's something there for me to enjoy and interacting with the cars and unrecognizing things that I'm like, no, that would have been impossible. But like hearing them tell me about how the cars can do those at the auto show and then seeing the fictionalized version in the films, you know, I just want to thank you guys for compelling me to interact with media. I wouldn't have given the time of day. And I'm so glad that I've spent uh, a Shakespeare folios worth of time On the fucking Torettos, Shaws, O'Connor's.
3: Thanks. That's the greatest compliment you could give us because I think our ultimate goal and mission is to just tell everybody that Fast and the Furious is welcoming for everyone. And like you might not like cars, you might not like action movies, but there's going to be something for you. And they want everybody like involved. And they're very well, it's about family. Like they want to bring you in. So I'm glad that you're on board now. In case in point i don't like cars joe doesn't like action movies and we're here you know what i mean yeah so. and
4: moreover it taught me about the universality of
2: concept the fast force the furious force the heart of the race obviously they're silly made up things but actually that there is a straight man and there is the explosive man That there is the character whose heart is treated as a magical idea. These are just true of fairy tales. These are true of every fairy tale. These are true of every action movie. I might ascribe silly terms because of car terminology. But the idea is actually that The Fast and Furious is as universal as any story gets. Because it's about man and machine working together to overcome societal odds. Not insurmountable, incalculable fate odds. And I'd love to get uh, Kevo, you know, as the guy who's been with me on this whole thing, and TK as the guy that I literally just was sort of like, go watch this. Um, and I don't know that I asked you. I think I was like, Joey and Joe are coming on. Go watch this. Um, I would love to get your guys' reaction to sort of that idea that this isn't a franchise about cars. This is, fuck, I it's like, like miscongeniality, And I really do want world peace.
1: after you keva
0: sure um i mean yeah i i i love the way you're describing them almost like fairy tale tropes or like superhero tropes my biggest disappointment from this movie i'm not joking i turned to you and was like they they've not even mentioned nas more than like two times this whole movie (laughs) i'm so mad do they even still use nas i don't even know so I was so mad. That's where they get their magic powers, and they didn't Except mention the gun berry juice.
2: What's the stuff in Spy Racers that gives you your magic powers? The drink, yuka? right? Yuka. What is it, Kevy?
0: Is it yuka? Is that what it's called?
4: No, it's something oka, yoka? No,
3: yoka, yoka, yoka? Yeah, you were Yoka-i? so close. So close yoka. Yet. We'll look it I up. Think so. That yeah. sounds right.
0: I'm giving my closing remarks. I
4: can't look it up. It is Yoka. Y-O-K-A. Yoka, 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 Yoka. Yeah, we (laughs) love the
2: song. We love Um, the song and the monkey.
0: But yeah, that's exactly, we love these things. We love the jingle. I would love to see them to mention Yoka in the the movies because, um, you know, uh, all of this cross potential uh, between all the different avenues of this franchise and all the different things that it brings, it's just fun. And uh, people make such a big deal of so many things. And especially franchises, where, like, this thing is 22 years old. Is it weird and complicated? Yes, it's 22 years old. If you don't like that, don't go to it. You can go watch a different movie. You can even go watch a different action movie about cars that's less complicated. But, like, so many people just want to yuck this series, which is just, you know... TK just had the experience of this is his third one. And he's like, yeah, it's just cute. It's just let
1: people enjoy it. I do think definitely let people enjoy it. I, you know, one of the others I compared it to that has a similar situation in terms of how many movies have come out that it's doing one this year that it has a definite sequel coming is Mission Impossible. And I do feel like... I see nothing in Mission Impossible that excites me at all except Rebecca Ferguson, who is just the best actress um, and who we were watching in Silo, guys. I don't know if you remember. Is she the female lead? Yes. Oh my god, she's so fucking talented. It she's she's phenomenal. Television. Uh, so uh, she's in Mission Impossible now, and it, that's the only thing that interests me. But um, you know, there are two franchises that I was looking at prior to, you know, talking about this. And, I, you know, I was thinking about prior to us knowing we were doing this particular episode. And I really do think that there is something unique about the Fast and the Furious franchise, its longevity, its connection to, like, the roots of it in late nineties, early two thousands culture and like the celebrities that they brought oh. on who Paul Walker was when that franchise started, like Paul Walker of varsity blues, blue into crush fast. Yes. Into fast Fury's blue crush. I really like those were the teen idols of my day. And the fact that so many of these people grew into the adults of this movie that they pulled in people like Brie Larson. Uh, I just think all around, uh, it's very cool and interesting, and I I think you guys are right. There's something for everybody, and even like for somebody like me who does not like cars, doesn't really care about action movies. Like the fact that they're pulling this off is worth the spectacle to go check out. Uh, in a way that is very fun. Like just to see what Nico called the playlist of cool moments is a ton of fun, and does definitely make me want to go back and see what caused all of the references that are in the playlist
2: the only other thing I need to shout out is there was an article and I think it was on uh, maybe Collider I don't remember now but it was like the biggest mistake this franchise made was killing off John Cena when he's clearly beginning to bald from all of the testosterone supplements (laughs) (laughs) and that this film franchise is the only film franchise to make room for all bald bald, men And that the hottest, the soon-to-be hottest bald man in literally history, like John Cena, and anybody who knows me knows what I'm about to say, John Cena is as close to Gene Kelly as you're going to get.
1: Um, I think it's very possible he's going to have not died. Very clearly, uh, everybody on the plane is going to have not died.
4: Yeah. So,
1: you know, I think, I think it's possible.
4: I will say, check out the last... few episodes of too fast too forever because we have posited multiple ways in which jacob could not be dead
1: so i think he's such a get at f9 like but at the ninth movie i would be surprised if they were like nailed it we're gonna kill that guy be a real shock if it was a
2: wipeout um but i i do want to say that uh i'm not sure where we lost joe to hopefully he pops back in before we say goodbye but um I truly, truly uh do hope that John Cena isn't dead because he does contribute so much to this film. Uh, I just I had such a great time. I had such a great time watching it. I had a great time talking about it uh, because what I love more than anything is family. And... and uh, you know, it's not just that uh Joey is the coolest guy. Who taught me how to podcast. Which I was able to spread to these two guys. Like a virus. But um, it's that Joey. You find the magic. In things that people sometimes. Don't see the magic in. And thank you for showing me the magic. In this franchise. And uh, I would love for you to plug. uh, Your show. Because I don't listen to podcasts. As much as I wish I could. Because this show takes a lot of time. To produce. Yeah. But I do make the time to listen to Too Fast because it Aww. is it's a it's a quality product, right? Because I, I do such a straight guy pop, I need to gay it up for Pride Month. So um please, by all means, uh pimp your ride. Tell us all that we need to know about Cage Club, your products, and shows that go
4: vroom vroom. Well, first of all, thank you for opening your heart to... How do I want to say this? Opening your heart to take the magic in, I guess, right? Like, it you know, it's a two-way street. It's... We showed you the franchise, but you have to be the one who walks through it. Like, that's the Matrix thing, right? Yes. All right, it's fine. Um, anyway... Too Fast Too Forever every Tuesday, wherever you get podcasts. We're in the middle of wrapping up the end of five or six or seven straight weeks of like bonus episodes where we're talking to everybody we've done an entire lap with to talk about this movie in particular. So if you want lots and lots of Fast 10 talk, Too Fast Too Forever, um, at Too Fast Too Forever on every social media platform, TooFastTooForever.com for our Patreon and bonus episodes and all sorts of fun stuff over there. Um, I wish Joe was here. He's having i guess computer issues but uh yeah no it's it's really fun we alternate fast and furious movies with related movies so we don't only talk about these this lap we are talking about the theme is planes trains but no automobiles which are movies with a central vehicle or chase scene with anything that's not a car um so we've got some train movies coming up we've got some boat movies coming up we got some motorcycle movies coming up lots of things to check out every tuesday wherever you get podcasts at too fast too forever
2: uh, I just want to reiterate that I think what you're doing is in fact, the automotive gods work, because uh, if I don't get to make the miss musical, and I don't get to make the opera about the late night wars, my dream is still to put together a musical production of the French connection. And uh, I think uh, putting a, a race on a Broadway stage would change the medium forever and car race movies, you know, it's silly, but like, racing movies train like my first thought was "Ooh, you guys would do an amazing talk about snow mm. you guys you know you guys would have you know a great op you know a great fun talking about murder on the asian american express whatever
0: it's called now <laughs> you're the worst
2: <laughs> so joe um joe too Joe two, who is Joe yes. one in my heart because he's Joey. So I'm not fucking anyone over um, Joe one, who is just so great. Uh, we were saying goodbye and uh, just a quick, what do you guys do? Talk a little bit about your part in. Uh,
4: in I Grovering. saw all the things that you would assume that I would normally say. So add some Joe Two weirdness on top of it.
3: Oh, I tell lots of weird stories. I like lifetime movies a lot. We talk about those sometimes, I give uh horrible takes about movies that Joey thinks is really good. So um, if you want your hear lady is of...
2: awesome.
3: Yeah. Rachel's great. Uh, if you want to hear stories about that and just like weird places, my brain go and me mixing idioms to stop self from saying weirder stuff. Uh, come listen to too fast.
2: It is quite legitimately a pleasure being a uh, part of your guys family and uh i couldn't thank you guys more than uh enough for hanging out much later than i said this recording would go uh you guys are not just troopers but you're friggin' amazing guys and thank you so much for being here you're part of our family uh and that's coming from me nico toretto so uh until we come back to celebrate the ethnic ambiguity that is vin diesel um thank you guys so much and uh we'll talk to you guys uh, soon Thank you, everyone. Thanks for having us, always. So, uh I just want to say that this episode ran a little bit longer than we expected. So, I just want to uh, do the necessary thing to plug. I think what's technically yesterday's episode. Right now, I am seeing Sandra Bernhard in uh, live comedy for the first time in like twenty years, and I'm very excited. Um, but it's Pride Month, so you should be doing the gayest shit you know how. I mean, just like dicks everywhere. Um, like Unless all the rainbows. You,
1: your gayness doesn't involve dicks.
2: Oh my gosh, your gayness can, I mean, like, but like the dicks for you, your dicks,
1: your heart's right? true dick,
2: your vagina I, dick, you're, you're, yeah. you're, right? vagina your, 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 right? Because vagina is a butthole for dick, whatever it is. If it happy feels pride good, people, happy yeah. butthole dicks that pride are in your heart, people. consensual. If it feels good, do it. And uh, speaking of pride, I'm pretty proud that this Pride Month I get to celebrate. God, I get to celebrate being a GLAD award winner, and I owe it in so many ways America. to the unbelievable editing team of Joe Glass. Who right now go on Kickstarter, search the Pride Summer Special. Back it! Back it right now! Right? Uh, Joe Glass, Matt Minor, phenomenal editors, brilliant men. I've had the pleasure of doing signings with both of them. Sharing a table with them is incredible. So check out their website. See where they're appearing all summer. Geniuses. Uh, we've also won a gaming award, which, talk about pride. That's for gays, by gays, about gays, all the gay. So, um... Oh, and, um... Uh, real quick, I know we've said it, but... In case you're not listening, any kind of gay is gay enough by trans pan uh, ace, ace. Uh, any any identity that feels it is not a part of the 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 mainstream that is queer exclusive. You fit you belong. One of the colors is yours. And uh, specifically, if your flag does not include our black and brown brothers, get the fuck out of here. And uh, no patience for you, no time for you, and sisters. I'm so sorry. I just uh, I speak from a male perspective, so I'm part of the problem. Siblings, Um, siblings, sibs. Speaking of family, 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 family. Not bringing it up again. Speaking of family, right? I'm all the bald man you need. Speaking of family, yesterday's episode has already gone up by now. And of course, we talked about Drag Race All-Stars Season 8, Episodes 4 and 5.
1: We talked about Dragon (laughs) Me Dinner. Which at this time, we have watched one episode of. And um, we are feeling (laughs) a lot of things.
2: I got to see Bendula looking... Like uh, I've got some, uh, I've got some milf issues and Bendela does it for me. Uh, and, She's a showgirl. And Jinx was stoned. And that's a, uh, that's my, that's my speed too uh but i'm really excited because like you know seeing some of the specific queens that we know and love is really exciting like Darian Lake always representing an older plus size queen belonging within the community Latrice and Manila still being partners makes me so happy seeing famous houses like the house of La Beja and uh seeing Miss Vanji is going to be really exciting so i am excited about uh the remainder of the episodes that i have not yet watched that i've possibly watched before yesterday because this is pre-recorded uh, and then Kebby, do you have the upcoming shipboard
0: um it's not the most up-to-date because it still has fast on it
2: but so we're still going to get talk about Little Mermaid. We've got uh, super mustache hottie Arturo coming in to talk about Transformers, Rise of the Beasts. I can think of one beast rising. We are going to get gay as hell about Spider-Verse. This is uh, really, truly a moment for this team to like sit back and enjoy how so many of our projects have fused together. What an amazing opportunity just to appreciate what we do um we have strange new worlds my favorite star trek of all time which is going to cross over with lower decks my second favorite star trek of all time so i couldn't be more excited than to talk about that with you guys and secret invasion because who can you trust so um okay that's everything that's everything okay it's late let's get to bed all right put me to bed um go to bed (laughs) And until Bowen Yang uh stops just appearing in my dreams and appears on this show, because God he's hot. Kevo, where can everybody find you? On
0: the inner webs. Uh you can find me at Kevo Relay. That's K-E-V-O-R-E-A-L-L-Y-T. Where can everyone find you? You find me at
1: XnateXGrayX. X Gray X Nico, where can everybody find you?
2: You guys can find me all over this amazing network and all over the cage clubs network. It's such a pleasure to be able to share my love of media with the world in so many forms. And of course you can find me at Nico action. That's N I C O A C T I O N. And this pride, I plan on putting up as many photos of me in as small underwear as I can fit in. So, uh, trust me, we're going to get real speedo with it. That's going to be the real fast force. Um, but, until we come back to see me get furious in the Speedo, everybody remember, it's pride. Stay proud. Keep it fast. Keep it furious. Stay tuned to X's for Show for more amazing media content. Special thanks, as always, to my incredible producer, Kevo, and my incredible co-anchor, TK, and to everybody who tunes in. And until next time,
4: we'll
0: see ya. Everybody say Love. 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 All right. Oh right, you just hit stop. Yeah. And they were sitting here this whole time, so I just want them to be able to be like, Hi.
2: guys, thank you. So, so let's hit end recording so yeah, that there's stuff start to Start
3: uploading.